Georgian bag. That's a nasty looking finger, lady. You got the face? What? No. Hey, I got your fertilizer. We made you. <laughs> Welcome back, interweb friends. Hollywood makes movies, and we talk about them. Uh, Welcome to Stop the Movie I Want to Get Out. This is a different episode, I think, for us. This was going to be a different episode anyway. But I, we're, I'm going to do a little precursor on this one. A couple of times in the past, we have had a actor or a key figure on a movie pass away shortly before we were about to do the movie on the show. I'm not going to give all those away because um, some of them we saved and as we had chosen this movie and, and we were in the midst of watching it when we learned that Meatloaf had passed away. So, but this is a little different. Some, you know, and as, as people who listen to the show know, we make fun of movies. But as we were watching this movie, I think for most of us, there was something different in that I, we are probably going to make fun of this movie, but I, and, and I know several other people did too, really liked Meatloaf in this. Um, and I thought Meatloaf was one of the best things in this movie. So we decided to go ahead with it in part because I, I know a couple of us at least really wanted to talk about how much we enjoyed Meatloaf in this movie and how much, like, I mean, undeniably how much presence he has. Like your eye is just drawn to him when he's on the screen. Um, while there is a lot of crazy stuff in this movie, I think a lot of how much I liked it is a tribute to how funny Meatloaf can be and the kind of presence he had. So I'd let everybody else chime in, you know, let other people chime in. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I, I think I, I think this is different in that I, I wouldn't want to move forward with this if we were going to be making fun of Meatloaf's performance, but I don't think that's really what we want to do. I think that there's, I mean, there is stuff to talk about in this movie, no question, but I th I wanted to say up front that I, I, I am, and I think everyone else really liked and respected Meatloaf in this movie. Yeah. Pretty yeah, fair. No. I mean, Cody, what do you, I'll, I'll introduce everybody one at a time. Cody Wolf. Hello. What do you think? I mean, what is that a fair way to? Yeah, no, I mean, I've always liked Meatloaf, you know, like Rock Horror Picture Show, and and you know, I forgot even he was in Fight Club. I haven't seen Fight Club in a while, but he's you know, Bob in Fight Club. Um, but especially Meatloaf this era, I think, is is, is fun, and 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 he made the movie definitely. It was funny because I was watching it Thursday night, the first half of it, and I was like thinking about buying the DVD because and I, I actually had the thought like it's probably not something I would watch a lot, but I, I'd pull it out like when Meatloaf died, I, I would pull it out and watch it or whatever. And then I woke up the next morning and Meatloaf was dead. <laughs> I was like, oh, Jesus. Um, and I can't find the movie now. It's like everyone bought every copy now on eBay and I can't find it. But um, The ghost of Meatloaf is like, yeah, you should have bought the DVD. I, I was this close to doing it. But uh, but no, like I, I am one of the ones who enjoyed the movie a lot. And it's my kind of movie. And he was definitely a reason that I enjoyed it. So him and Al Cooper, of course. Yep. Yep. And Christy Smarl. This movie both grew on me and continued to annoy me in separate ways as I watched it. Um, I actually watched the entire thing before finding out Meatloaf had died, but I do think he is undeniably the best part of the movie. I mean, maybe the vast amount of cameos just for the fun of that, but I think that he, you're right, he has an incredible presence. I think he is clearly giving 110% and he makes the role. It's an insane role, but he makes it work. 
That's a really good point. I mean, he is so committed to this. And this movie is crazy, as we're going to get into, but he is fully committed to it and going for it, which is like, I, I, I could see a lot of other actors phoning it in. And he's like, nope, I'm, I'm here for this movie. I'm going to do whatever this movie wants me to do in an effort to make it work. It's pretty, yeah, I agree. Brian Mueller? Yeah, I uh, in in the long list of things that were um, atrociously incorrect about this movie, Meatloaf is definitely not uh, on them. <laughs> it kind of his his performance, I would equate it to like a Damian Lillard on like a really bad Trailblazers team who puts up like thirty five, but his team still loses because he doesn't have enough help around him. That was kind of Meatloaf in this one. The the director, the producers, the script really failed him but he somehow was able to put up a pretty good performance so yeah but he was he was not an issue uh in, in one of the many of this movie and you're right like everything around him well I, I liked some of the supporting actors but in terms of like you're right like the structure and the behind the scenes stuff everything is failing around him and at times it feels like he is carrying this movie on his shoulders being like I am going to power through and make this movie watchable. Like, it, yeah, it's wild. Uh, Jack Esterbrook. I got to get this muted. Hello. Redfish in here. Sounds, we got to fix my audio problems. Hello. I'm not shocked at all about Meatloaf's presence in this movie because he was always a fantastic performer and a powerful presence. Um, I was disappointed that we didn't get to see his musical side in this movie. There's one scene that was probably, in my opinion, one of like the three good scenes in the movie where he is on stage and he's sort of doing the meatloaf thing and it made me smile. Um, but uh, beyond that, I think he's always been a good talent and uh, he could be, as Alex might say, you could hand him the phone book and he'd read it and it would sound good because he just had this way of performing he seemed to enjoy performing regardless of what it was and as long as you're enjoying what you're doing that shows through and i get the sense that meatloaf was just having a ball because i'm on a stage i'm performing and he was going through it as opposed to i'm here for my paycheck yeah whatever right so i appreciated that yeah yeah that's 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 a good way to put it um and, and again i think it is worth noting like for people who haven't seen this movie who are going to hear us talk through it Buckle up. This is nuts. Like in, I was trying to describe this movie to a coworker yesterday and I found it impossible. Like it, you cannot just like, there is not, if I actually gave the plot, it sounded like a horror film, but and, and because it's also like nonsensical. So, you Especially know, the very end, the very, yeah, <laughs> the very end is really something, uh, which I, which maybe is better. Well, when we get there, I was like, oh God, I was so scared of where the ending was going. And then what they actually did was like, at least not where I thought it was going. So, um, I think it was and I, also I lost half of my notes. I left half of my notes at the office on this movie. So I'm doing this from memory. <laughs> Um, pretty logical plot should be easy to yeah pretty pretty straight it's it's pretty tight this is like a you know yeah this is this is right up there make that structure the 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 movie starts with 
we're kind of introduced to this, like what I could only describe as like a family. It looks like the family that has inspired Rob Zombie's entire worldview of this like wild dynamic in Texas of like Art Carney, who's playing like a steampunk inventor and like Meatloaf, who is some kind of delivery driver and his best friend, who's his co-pilot. And a woman who I went a lot of the movie not understanding who she was, but I later, you know, it's later determined she's her sister, that she's Meatloaf's sister. Now, th this is the, the only stuff in the movie that I didn't enjoy. Like, this stuff I felt was totally superfluous. I mean, it just didn't have anything to do with anything until the end. It kind of comes to me, not really. Also, it didn't like, really match the. Yeah, just the character, the characters of the characters. I just didn't like any of it, but. And it was confusing. I don't know why they named the sister Alice when they had the whole movie was about Alice trying to get to meet Alice Cooper. I thought maybe that would come in somehow, like some confusion or something, but it never did. But that character just annoyed yeah. me so much because, yeah. I mean, I think we should also say we all watched this on YouTube. So the quality was not Horrendous. existent. Um, so I, I think every scene she was in, she had something on her face which got distracting too. And she's always screaming and just an awful character. Well, the Art Carney family seems like they're from another movie. It genuinely well, feels like, like there's all of a sudden like this clockwork nonsense with like levers and screens and things moving. There's sort of this, uh, it's not a great comparison, but I can't really find any other way to describe it. Sort of like a Benny Hill-ish kind of like, slapstick comedy thing about it and i thought it was to try to spice up what was predominantly just a we're driving because shooting inside the rv is cheap movie and it was just the rest of the movie is not this like move the lever pull the lever the big accordion thing moves the the, the telephone booth moves it has nothing things almost moving like a higher speed oh no and everyone like and i'm like why the rest of the movie isn't like that well, if, I, I was wondering if it was like to pad it out, but the movie's now in 45 minutes long, so I don't think you would have to pad it out. But it, it felt like like that, like some reshoots or some something added in to somehow, I don't know, pad it or something. I but. mean, to remind the audience that he has a family was important to his emotional journey, I guess. Sure, but but there are other ways you could have done that. Like every time he's alone, he calls his dad. That makes sense. But did they have to be like the Pee Wee Herman show? Right. You know, the only that, thing that I was, figured was that it was supposed to be like why he's an amazing mechanic because his dad is like that and you know the everything works if you let it and the crazy stuff all the different machines in the house like I just figured that was supposed to be giving you the background of why he can fix everything I guess yeah. I didn't think of that but yeah that's probably true it, it also didn't do it me like just like a cutaway like they wanted to use it as like oh we need to be able to like break up the road trip segments of the movie so we can always just like cut back to this crazy yeah like, yeah but it was the, it was the beginning and the end of the movie then it's, it was okay but they kept cutting back to it so it just felt like hey let's take a break from the movie to watch this skit for a second yes yes so he goes out there, he runs, he and his friend BB are doing a, uh, they're, they're making deliveries in a, a Shiner beer truck. And we, we get a bizarre sequence of, of Meatloaf dancing in the cab of a truck. 
which is the point when I was like, oh, there's an uncredited third writer on this film. And that writer is a giant bag of cocaine because this movie is like everything about, I, I was reading an interview with Alice Cooper who you know shows up later in this movie. And Alice Cooper was specifically talking about this era of movie making in LA. And he described it as a blizzard of cocaine. And I was like, yup, that's it. That's, it is coming through loud and clear in this movie. No snow, no show. And it's funny though, cause it's like, like this is like I was, was saying in our chat, this is like the height of Alice Cooper's cocaine use himself. And this is something he didn't even admit until a few years ago. He was always like, oh yeah, I was a huge alcoholic, but never admitted he was doing drugs until recently. So now it's like, oh yeah, he was huge into cocaine at this time. And, and you can tell because that's why he's so skinny and kind of gaunt in this movie. And, and so much of this movie, if you try to describe it, and I was, I was doing this yesterday, trying to describe it to a coworker, it sounds like you're high trying to describe it. And like, you know, it's like, well, Meatloaf's dancing like a maniac in the front of a cab in a delivery truck and they drive by an RV and there's a girl and she's pretty and he slams on the brain. And you're like, what? Like, what? you know. See, for uh, me, my reaction to that was was the opposite. I thought, okay, so he's a, he's a happy kind of redneck dancing around and he saw a pretty girl and he stopped the truck. So I, I think this is where in the chats, I felt there was kind of a disconnect. I didn't necessarily think this was crazy. I think it was crazy in concept, in my opinion. But in execution, I was like, okay, well, he's a happy-go-lucky guy. He's dancing. That's a very simple way to establish that character. Oh, look, he's he also only cares about himself, but then he sees the pretty girl and he decides to stop, which says, okay, this is his character. And then they kind of slammed on the brakes, and it was kind of like a kind of zany, kind of we're trying to be funny kind of way, and it wasn't landing. So I was like watching it like, what? Like this is my face. The no one can see it, but it's this deadpan as I was watching the movie because for me, for something that's so like apparently like cocaine fueled and nuts, it was for me it was extraordinarily dry and boring. And every now and then it was trying to be wild, but everything was done on master shots, and it was you know, I don't know, it was just very dry. And all well, I, would, the same. I would I would actually agree with you, Jack. I think that's where to me the coke influence came in because it's like a comedy that doesn't that isn't really funny and it's like a comedy that isn't even trying to do jokes it's just a mm. lot of what's happening is so weird and yeah it is weird yeah, yeah. i would say that certainly yeah. later on with his with his brain stuff but that also seemed like to break it up well, we'll get to it when we get to it we will get there yeah so he sees a, a very pretty girl in this broken down rv and gets out and agrees to try to help them get the RV back on the road. Um, and he's like climbing under the truck and the girl's climbing under the truck and she's being very flirtatious with him. I would also like to bring up, we were talking about this a little bit before. I I'm, was truly shocked as, as we got into this movie of, uh, we, we were talking before how this movie fails the Bechtel test and that there is never a scene where two women uh, talk about anything other than a man. There's it not, never even it, sits down to take the test. It's still like at home sleeping. It I never don't made the test. The big two women it's, speak in the movie. Yeah, uh, I, I think that technically Lola and Blondie speak as they're fighting over Travis. Right, and I, I think, think that's, that's it. That's the only yeah. time I think two women talk to, to each other. Yeah, it's insane. And the cat fight in the bar. Well, yeah, unless you count the the bar fight. Yeah, yeah. in a bar fight, and the only agency that either either his sister or lola have in this movie at any point 
is their romantic interest in men. Like they are given no other, there's nothing else that defines their character, like not a thing. And it's and like, oh. The way that they're presented, I would say they're, you know, visually defined incredibly different. The first time we see Alice, she's got like a, a mud mask on. She's got her hair up in curlers in a net. She's still in her pajamas. I mean, like everything you can do to make a woman look, quote unquote, ugly in a movie. And the first time we see Lola, she's literally wearing underwear and the camera is very close up on some gratuitous shots. So they are presented as two complete polar opposites. And there's never anything in between in this movie. Right, right. I mean, Debbie Harry is the closest that they even get to just like a, a female person. Right. Well, a person, because that's true. Debbie Harry seems to have some kind, I mean, I love Debbie Harry and she seems to have some kind of agency to her character that is something going on. And that, that scene with her, it's really like, is really actually a fun, one of the more fun scenes, but like, oh boy. I mean, yeah, the characters of the sister and Lola, I mean, are, uh, it, it was, it was rough. I mean, even by like 1980s, I mean, early 70s and 80s standards, it was like, this is... As I was watching, I was like, oh, yeah, this was, this was, you know, end of the 70s, very clearly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then to find out later on that, I mean, I I know this comes later, I'm jumping, but that she's 16. She's supposed to be 16 in this movie, and that's how she's treated. That is a whole other level of problematic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, that, that, that's where I was like, what happened with, I'm like, you know, they, they say like, write what you know. And this is another, this has happened a couple of times on movies we've done where I'm like, oh God, what do they know? What do they know? Into the writers of this movie. Cause if I this feel like is, they're I, following write what they want. <laughs> I yeah. think that not to, Which defend is scary. It, not to defend it, especially because it's 16, but the, I mean, in this time period, there were women who, you know, girls who this was their, their pursuit in life was to, to sleep with as many rock stars as they could. Like, that's like a, I want to say realistic, but it's there that was an actual thing. Like yeah, it was. It's kind of like because it's almost. This is like a crazy, almost famous. This is like a weird relative of almost famous and the Kate Hudson character in Almost Famous, except somehow more problematic, and like. Well, I think Kate Hudson is trying to like lie about her age and she's aware that this is like a problem. Whereas Lola's like, it's right out there. And like, you know, all the other characters in this movie are like, great, cool. But (laughs) not only that, not only that, it's, it's, it's Travis starts to develop this affection for her and it could have been like this sweet thing. And then he's just looking to get with her too. Right. I mean, at least he did act shocked when he found out she was 16. He did. He did. And he doesn't ever really, he does that. He does, he does try to get it. Yeah, it doesn't stop him. Yeah. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And it makes the sweet, tender moments just why it makes those uncomfortable. Yeah, it makes them creepy. Where if they just had left her age out, I don't know. This isn't 16, I would hope. I don't know why they put that. That that was a weird choice to put that in. I don't know why it's in there because it it doesn't, it doesn't affect the movie. Like it, it doesn't. Not really. Yeah, there's never any consequences to the fact that she's 16. There's never any like right. parent coming to get her or something like that. She has that. She has that moment where this is not for me, and she runs away. She has that turn that this is, and then she goes back to like a quote normal life or a more healthy life for someone her age. Yeah, but, I mean, she could have been 18. Yeah, yeah, would have, and it wouldn't have. Yeah, it, they did it for the jail. The film joke. wouldn't change. 
the film wouldn't change at all at her age, even not been mentioned, and we just would assume that she was 18. I'm just glad Alice Cooper wasn't trying to get with her. I know, I know. Oh, no, he was pretty classy in the movie. I did, I enjoyed him, yeah. Yeah. It's also weird because, and I looked this up, the actress playing Lola is like 25. So I was like, I don't know why, like, it was just a weird thing to put in. Well, if it were a joke, if this were like, if this were actually like a successful slapstick comedy that was like, all the guys are into this girl and then the, 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 I'm 16, nope, 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 they like back away. And then at like every five minutes, like a guy tries to go for her and she says her age and they like back away and somehow they make like a pervy, but a joke about it and nothing happens. And the joke is, oh no, right? Yeah, not, you know. I was honestly, I think that may have worked. I was honestly expecting at the end for her to say to Meatloaf, like, I'm not actually 16. I was just messing with you or something <laughs> like that. Like to make it yeah. like, okay, yeah. they can be together now, but they, they didn't do that. No. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you're right. It basically comes down to, there's like one scene where Meatloaf's like, oh man, oh, you're 16. Oh, you, yeah, that's terrible. Cut to the next scene. He's just back to hitting on her. <laughs> yeah. Know? He's like smashing a TV because he can't get laid. Yeah, you, you had like a, a five minute like crisis of conscience, and then he's like, "All right, I'm I'm past that." <laughs> and when it starts, you know, when she's like helping him fix it, he's like totally entranced as she's climbing under the RV next to him. And I'm surprised he was. I thought they were going for a joke of like he couldn't fix it because he was so distracted by her, but he can fix everything. I didn't even catch the scene. I didn't even catch that he fixed it because later on he he makes these crazy <laughs> contraptions. When in this case, he just kind of like flirts with the girl and all of a sudden the RV works. Unless well, I, I mean, they were, they were underneath it and he was tinkering and then... Yeah, and they drove it away. And yeah. Then he drove. So, so they, and he made so it they convince him. So they... They like, need him because he's, he's handy. Yeah, he's handy. Mm-hmm. And they convince him that they need him to be the dri- to drive them. So they have a driver. Their car is fixed and they have a, a driver, but they're like, no, we need you to drive us to... Um, I forget where they're going in the first part of this. Austin. I think this is LA. Or no, they're going no, to Austin, they're, Texas. They're, they're in Texas, but they're going to another place in Texas. Yeah. yeah. Okay. With the well, Hank Texas, driving is, Texas is huge. It could take you like eight hours to drive across it. They're with the so, Hank Williams Jr. band and they're yes, on their our way. First, to- our first celebrity cameo. Um, yeah. But I think they asked him to drive because they're like, in case the truck, the, the van breaks down again we want you with us so you can fix it again. I think that's why they did it. But. I think that's why. Well, I, I well, think they, also, because they mentioned that it was like an, he mentioned it was an automatic transmission and then he got that stick and put it in and they changed it to like manual. Uh, so I think no one else knew how to drive that. Drive stick. Yeah. <laughs> I was, okay. I think you're right, Brian. I was trying to figure out what was going on there. So the movie is telling us that while working under it, Meatloaf changed it from an automatic to a manual transmission. And like That's what he did. And like he has superpowers. That's okay. That's incredible. Um, so they he he drives them to the show, which um, and I was gonna say, Brian is is a guy who's lived in Oklahoma, who's lived you know in that region of the country. I don't know if this accurately reflects how concerts are held, but I was like. There's a lot of managers and people in like Hank Williams Jr. is basically performing at a small roadside bar. Uh, I was like, is this like, you know, do you even really need like a tour manager? Do you need groupie? Like, you know, it feels like this really could be like a two man operation at this point. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that the quality of entertainment at some of those uh, Texas bars uh, far surpassed anything I saw in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> so they they get to this bar, and again, I'm doing this off of memory without my notes, and he, but they're like, oh, we're never going to have, we're never going to be able to get the show set well, up in time, right? Yeah, so, so they're two hours late to the bar because they broke down. And this guy, I can't remember, it was like Mohammed or something like that. He's like a tour. He's like a, um, what do you call it? Don King. Yeah, basically. Yeah. He, he yeah. Put together like the, he's a promoter. Promoter, yeah. yeah. So he's, he's a promoter. He's putting together, he's put together already this like circus of whatever. And and he's promoting this show. And he gets on the, ma- the tour manager and he's like, if you're not set up in 10 minutes, I'm going to kill your career or something like that. He's going to rape his yeah, career. He said yeah. something a little more, yeah, a little more problematic, but yeah. I was trying to avoid that, Jack. Thanks. And the, okay, the French, let's, let's call the movie out for what it is. The French subtitles that we were watching on this YouTube link did say kill your career. Yeah. So they apparently decided to be a little cleaner. <laughs> yeah. So he's he's basically like, Yeah, you gotta set this up in 10 minutes. And and the guy's like, There's no way we can get this up in 10 minutes. It's impossible. And and then I they I can't remember if who who basically puts it on meatloaf but someone says like you take care of it and, and he does it in 10 minutes everyone and the mohammed guy is is impressed with him and i did like the the running joke where he like never says his name right he always I, did, I read yeah. everything but yeah. fish yeah like redhead red horse red yeah and he red bone calls it, i i liked that that was a good runner they had yeah. going it so was he, arguably the only jokes in the movie yeah maybe yeah that's true but yeah. so he gets the show set up and everyone appreciates it and then hank williams jr's plays in the bar mm-hmm. and and roy orbison is there for some reason orbison's there yeah did you guys notice the little roy orbison easter egg in there at one point it, it was what well, it, it, it was a sound effect no oh, there was a, mm-hmm. when, when they first walk in and like you see the first shot of roy orbison which is really uh-huh. brief and uh the um lola girl is walking by he does the little like her thing from Pretty Woman. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I didn't catch that. That was my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> 20 minutes in. This is one of this is one of the few scenes that I that I that I liked in the movie. Like I really was not enjoying this movie at all. Um I was very bored. Um but when when I saw like oh wow well it was kind of cool they got Hank Williams Jr. and I'm definitely not a country fan but respect and then they got they got Roy Orbison up there and I was like oh they do this little duet that's really cool. But the scenario around which, which I'm assuming we're going to talk about, that 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 required them to feel the need to do the duet, I was just like, what? It's but fun. it was nice that they did. I thought that was, it was kind a of nice cool. moment. Yeah, it's weird because the movie is kind of putting forward that that Redfish, the meatloaf character, doesn't really know who any of these music stars are, doesn't really know what a groupie is doesn't like you know thinks that lola is beautiful but doesn't is like not really understanding what why she's like trying to get roy orbison's attention or you know i think i I don't know if if alice cooper has been brought up at this point or not Uh, it has i think he had who who redfish had never heard of alice cooper he's like so he's like totally out of this which is different than what i expected from the movie and i kind of liked that he was a guy who's completely out of this world out of the rock and roll, you know, music world, and then he gets he gets brought into it, and he like doesn't know any of the stuff, and is totally oblivious. That's yeah. actually what I thought. The point of that chair, the dancing in the front of the truck in his chair, 
the point of that scene was that he's a country music fan and therefore knows nothing about all these rock and roll stars or rock and roll tours and things right. like that. He did say in that scene with where he's like, who's that? And he's like, oh, it's Hank Williams Jr. He's like, oh, I loved his daddy's music or something like that. Yeah. yeah. He heard of his father, but not him. Yeah. So, and, and so at this point, I think Lola is like, hey, there's Roy Orbison. So she's grabbing the beer to bring it over to Roy Orbison. Right. And, and Meatloaf is like, hey, where, where are you going with that beer? And it ends up with the two of them like sort of like struggling over the beer and pouring it over the head of a lady which kind of kicks off the next sequence of events. Eventually like a bar fight, like a, like a true like old school Western bar fight, like kind of, well, breaks out with like a lot of lines. Like there's guys like, look at that cat fight. And I was like. <laughs> because somehow every girl bumps into another girl and like ruins her dress or ruins her hair. And it just like yeah. this long train of girls that then fight. So the guys love it. Yep. <laughs> And uh, and and Hank Williams and is it is this where Hank Williams and Roy Orbison like sing that song? Well, with the, yeah, the, they they're gonna break up the fight. Yeah. So they they decide to do an impromptu duet, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, just and because of who it is, just because of the performance, right? Yeah. Um, so so they sing and it calms everyone down, but then the guy whose girlfriend or wife, whoever it was, who got the beer spill on her, like yells for redfish, and like everyone like. Oh, again, and, and the crowd parts. Yeah, and Hank Williams is like, "Screw this!" And he stops playing, and and yeah, so the crowd parts, and they like like dual style, like are facing off against each other. And I'm like, I have no idea what's going to happen here. Like, it's where they joust. Joust. I will say, I did not expect this. I will say that. Yeah, yeah I did not expect like headbutting, like yeah. like rams. Yeah, they come, they run together, and and well, it's funny because one of the guys like says to meatloaf he's like oh you don't want to mess with him he's got like the thickest neck in texas or something like that <laughs> i'm like what are they talking what are they gonna do so they run together and like headbutt and he like knocks the guy out or whatever but then he he's all messed up himself meatloaf now it was meatloaf yeah. now this is something weird here so at the beginning of the movie near the beginning of the movie lola says she's got some kind of sixth sense where she knew she would meet travis redfish then travis redfish headbutts the guy in the bar and all of a sudden it's like like wide angle lens and he's hearing voices and he keeps reciting these bizarre fortune cookie nonsensical fortune cookie type things oh he and then his buddy says oh he'll just drink a bunch of beer and this clears up like this Wait, is something that brain happens they yeah, call brain lock. Brain lock. yeah so i didn't know if now, all this tied into that end scene that no, we're not going to talk about yet call it a concussion yeah, yeah, just him banging his head and being like out of it for a couple hours. But it seemed like they put too much emphasis on it where it wasn't funny, where I thought it was going to be a thing that was going to come back later. And it only came back later in other situations that were similar to this. And they handled it in the same way. The Wikipedia right? so, page, I, I don't know. I didn't catch this. The Wikipedia page for this movie claims that the brain lock that occurs is connected to a war injury that Meatloaf's character had. And that this like is a thing that happens to him from time to time. So it's like- They never say that. Like, they never say it, like, not that I caught. Traumatic stress and like a traumatic brain injury. Right. I guess post-traumatic I mean, brain injury. I don't know. Like, if, if he had hit his head and then started like flashing back to like Vietnam or something, then it's one thing. But he's like saying like, who would win in a fight between a- can of deodorant and you know whoever it's like you're talking about like mamie eyes 
Yeah. <laughs> like, what is going on? Which I thought was fun. I thought it was funny because it was like just it's, so it's funny. It's so bizarre that it's yeah. sort of funny. Like because yeah. then he's just for the rest of the this night or whatever, he's just out of his mind. And for some reason they want him to drive drive the limo back to the airport with I with can't the, remember band or whoever it was. With a full pitcher of beer. Like again, you know, this was yeah. quite a while ago. Like, here, I'll hold your beer while you drive. Yeah. yeah. And he's so he just like, oh, he gets in the car, he just like loses his mind. He's just like, ah, and just takes <laughs> off and, and on a police chase. There's a, a police chase breaks out. When he screamed before taking off, I laughed out loud so hard. I was like, I don't know what is going on, but like, what an insane choice. And, right. it's, and it was funny. Yeah. And then they had this police chase where they do like a Scooby-Doo thing where it's like a wide shot of like a street, you know, looking down a street and all these parallel or yeah, parallel streets or perpendicular streets. And like you see the cars drive by, you know, chasing him one way and then come down another street, chasing him in another way where like he's in front. And they do like the whole weird Scooby-Doo thing for like a solid minute and a half, it feels like. And the beard truck is there, too, because his yeah. friend B is like, oh, no, brain lock. I got to get I got to help him. He needs more beer. Uh, <laughs> and he ends up driving the limo directly into a plane. Yeah. Like This was a move straight out of Grand Theft Auto 3. I, it was. I thought about I that. Was, I was honestly thinking that because I've been playing Grand Theft Auto Five re- recently, and during the scene, I was like, "This is a Grand Theft Auto scene." Just driving, yeah. you know, police chasing you, driving to an airplane, and the plane takes off. Yeah. I thought Fast and the Furious. No. They would just have a nicer car. I was just reminded of the Blues Brothers, which is a better movie. And once again, I turned my brain off and was like, "Oh!" During this entire sequence, you had brain off. Yeah. Yep, I had brain off instead of brain lock. I was like, okay, whatever. Like, oh, oh, now they're doing the Scooby Doo thing. Like, I that was kind of my that was kind of my reaction as this was going on. I take it I'm the minority in this group of this opinion, but uh, and I but I'm just I was like, because eh. it was okay a little bit in the bar, and then once he got the brain lock, I was like, I'm lost again. I don't care anymore, and I kept watching it. Can I just say I watched a really bad like faux Bigfoot documentary with Jack, and he loved that. Because that, which is so that bad, was amazing, but and we're it. gonna watch it for this podcast. I'm gonna make <laughs> you watch it. So that so, movie was great. This movie funny. was a dry. This happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens, and I'm like, "Where's Alice Cooper? I was promised Alice Cooper. Why is Meatloaf not singing? Like, what's going on? What am I doing here?" That was whereas the Bigfoot documentary is a masterpiece. We'll talk about that. <laughs> the legend of Bigfoot is a masterpiece. You will not. So hey, so they get on this plane and the plane takes off. They get away from the police and then, I guess that that's when they they end up in California. Yeah. And Meatloaf wakes up and he's like, "Where am I? What happened?" And, and they they just convince him to keep roadieing. I guess. Well, she kind of again. This is where like this movie is problematic. Like. Lola really manipulates Meatloaf into yeah. continuing to roadie for them and like kind of like emotionally like blackmailing him. Yeah. Um, I like well, this. This concept is this is concept. She keeps bringing up the promises or the pleases. Like I'm only going to say please so many times, and it's like implied that she's going to do something inappropriate, and that's well, the, the f- saying please. Yeah, the first one was, you know, I have 12 ways to say please. And I was like, oh, good. Yeah, that's it. But then in L.A., she says, you know, and she says please three times then. And in L.A., LA, she says she has nine pleases left. So I think they, like, backtracked on that being a sexual joke. Which was was a a smart move. Considering she's 16. But, yeah, yeah, very smart move. But I I was confused as to why it was there. 
because of the characters. Anyway, we've already covered that, but. And, and it's kind of fun. They're setting up for a show at the Whiskey A Go-Go in LA, like legendary LA. Yes. Um, I, I found this kind of funny, but then, and then Lola's like, oh, we've got to go do an errand. We've got to like go do this laundry. Yeah, this whole thing yeah. was set up weird. I didn't really understand what was going on until like halfway through what happened. It, it was missing something. Yeah. Something was missed. Like something either didn't get shot or didn't get written or... Yeah. I think it was just edited in a weird order. It was it was strange. Yes. Uh, I'll talk about that at the end, but um, Cody just brought up a great point. So they go to the laundromat and they're, and I, I was trying to figure out what was going on, but Lola's was like, ah, oh, there's something wrong with this laundry detergent. Well, so before, so she, when they get to the whiskey, she's like, we have to go do laundry for the band or whatever. Right. I was like, oh, okay. So they, and, and they keep talking about this box of Tide. Like, oh, we have to make sure we get that box of Tide or whatever. And so they grab all the stuff and they go. And then it cuts to like the road, the tour manager talking to some other person on, on with the tour. And he's talking about, it sounded like they were trying to set up meatloaf oh you're right you're right they're like oh i i put the cocaine in this tide but then that doesn't make any sense though because they needed the coke they he, needed the coke well you're right you're right I, there was never a situation where they needed to hide it no. i thought it was that was how they were hiding it to get it to the yeah, band it was but well they, yeah it was it sound like there's no real reason second, why well for a second I, I thought he was making it sound like they were trying to set up meatloaf to get arrested because like he was jealous of him or something that's not what happened i don't know where i got that from but they had some weird conversation with it it kind of sounded like that so i think what happened was they told lola to get this box of tide and make sure it got to the band or whatever and i think she interpreted that because she's like 16 and naive or whatever as to take this box tide do the band's laundry and then bring the band's laundry to them so she brings this box of tide which is filled with coke to this laundromat to do the laundry and it's not working because it's cocaine and not laundry detergent. Right. So, so this little old lady comes up and she does like the 80s TV show or movie thing where she like dips her finger in the Coke and tastes it. And she's yeah, like, hold Toledo. <laughs> and this little old lady's like, hold on. I got to take this whole box here. You take my laundry detergent. That was like, come on. That was a funny bit. Like, I, I did like that bit. I'll give yeah. you that. I'll give you that. I'll, I'll grant yeah. you that. No, this whole scene, this scene is so wacky, but I liked it. Because then the cops come in because somehow the cops know that there's coke in this box of tie. That's why I thought that right. they were trying to set me off. I, I, th I thought they, I thought they were trying to set him up because how else would the cops right. know to go in there and I think they a were box of tie for cocaine. I yeah. think we're trying to put way too much logic on this movie. I know. I know. But, but then he gets upset when the coke wasn't there. So it didn't make sense if they were trying to get him arrested with the coke. But anyways, so the cops come in, there's a whole like weird, goofy, slapsticky scene with the, the cops trying to, they're like, oh, you got Coke in that box or whatever. And they obviously it's the box. In the, Basically the a who's on first act. Yeah. Yeah, it's just weird because Lola and Milo are having a separate conversation and the cops... It's weird. You have to watch the scene to understand. I can't. Yeah, because Lola, Lola, and Meatloaf are having a conversation about the revelation that she's a virgin, and the cops are right. talking about what they think is a coke in the Tide box. They start and doing a who's on first bit with like who's a virgin? You're oh no one's a virgin. There's no such thing as a virgin. What? What's yeah. in the Tide box? I, who's in the Tide box? And I, I was just rolling my eyes. Yeah. And so, then leading well, up. Well, yeah, we up the great bit where one of the cops 
to test if what's in the Tide box is cocaine. He lays out like a full line <laughs> and snorts it, which I'm like, wow, all right. That's, if that's how the narc officers are, if that's how they're testing cocaine, their day is really interesting. Um, but he's snorting a line of actual Tide because that's what they got from the little old lady who took the cocaine. Um, but but it, 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 it's really, it's really unhinged, but there's like, I, again, it's got that like 80s Coke energy to it where you're like, I don't, th this doesn't work, but yet it does work somehow. And then it never comes back. Like the no. police officer has to go to the hospital because he's now foaming at the mouth and nose from snorting soap. And they just drive away. Yeah. And I then there's nothing. I mean, the yeah. band gets mad that they don't have Coke. And that's that's the right. most, like the police are never, never come back or there's never any yeah. further issue. I really thought that would be like a reoccurring thing. Like the cops would keep coming in and trying to like rest them and screwing up or whatever, but they just never come back. Yeah. And the guy who was, and the guy who was jealous of, of, of Meatloaf's character, right. He'd be uh, a logical choice to be trying to get Meatloaf in trouble so that he could get all the money and the praise from his boss instead of it coming to Meatloaf. But they just don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, that storyline just kind of like fades yeah. away. Well, he he threatens him with physical violence, so I think he he rightly was like, "Okay, this this is a dumb idea. I'm not gonna keep doing that." Oh yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Um, so, so they go to this, like they, they go to this club, and this band is like, "You don't have the cocaine, we're not playing." That was in the contract. If you don't have the cocaine, we're we're not playing. And he's like, basically, like he takes like a mic stand and like bends it in half. He's like, "You're not playing. You should reconsider." And they're like, yeah, "Okay, we'll play. We'll play." So then this scene gets wacky too. I'll let you go into it. But. Well, we get into this weird, like, so Meatloaf and Lola have an argument where he's on the stage with a microphone and she's out in the audience and they have this sort of like call and respond. It's it's like- I love this so much. Musical number, but- this I love this so much. Like, I was like, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to say like, for me, obviously, again, I didn't get the enjoyment out of this that everyone else did. Um, but when this, when he hit that stage, I was like, oh yeah, something's, and I thought this is a really adorable little scene. Of course, if the character were 18, this would be a little bit more appropriate, but whatever, we have to play with what we got. Uh, but it's still, I was like, this is a cute little scene where they do this question and response thing with the band. You're going to stay, I'm going to go, no. And like the band is hitting the notes with him. Yeah. And I said, this is really kind of, why can't the movie be more like that? Right. With more moments like that, like let's have fun with music instead of it just being a music bed. Like, let's have it be an integral character in the film. You got Meatloaf, use him. You get that talent right there. And this is the only scene where they really do that. And I thought that was adorable. It's the best word I can use to explain it. And I was like, that was a really cool scene. And I said the the text I said, I think, was this movie doesn't deserve a scene this good. Like this it was from us. This is from this. I feel like this is the idea they had. And they said, let's write a movie around it. And they were like, yeah, sure. OK. And then they waited to the last minute to write the rest of the movie. Yeah, I, I really liked this scene a lot. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. It's it's this scene. It, I like this scene a lot, and it also doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. I mean, there's a lot of scenes in this movie that don't fit with the rest of the movie. <laughs> but but I agree with you. Like this works. This is kind of the quirky. If the whole movie was this kind of, sense quirky, of humor, was that good. also would have been a lot of fun. Um, I I I agree with you on that. And this I moment remember, gave me um, Paradise by the Dashboard Light vibes. Yes. 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 
And I was expecting, I mean, not only was I expecting Meatloaf to actually perform at some point, I was actually expecting more musical performances throughout this movie. I mean, they, I mean, people play, but they play for like a few seconds. There's, I don't feel like there was ever any like full song from a band, even though the whole movie is about concerts. And if they pay to get the artist in the movie, I mean, do they have to pay even more for the song? Maybe, but you already got them. Use them. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, we do get a good chunk of like Debbie Harry singing Ring of Fire. Which was cool. Alice song, but you're right. There's not really like. It's little chunks of each performer instead of. Almost, almost like, like what if Travis and his, and his, and his appropriately aged girlfriend were traveling across the country and at every stop they go, these two people who are oblivious of all these celebrities they meet along the way. And then at the end of the movie, they're down on their luck and all these famous musicians come and play songs to raise money for them or something. Maybe that's more generic. We are the world moment. Like Wayne's world Two. Like Wayne's world Two. This could have been a proto Wayne's world Two. would have been a better movie. Again, I'm reminded of better movies when I'm watching this movie. Yeah, there's. I mean, I, there was also a part of me that wondered at some point if Cameron Crowe saw this movie, saw the Lola character, and was like, "There's something there in a different movie," and that like, like almost famous is his take on like, "Yeah, I think I can do that in a different." I mean, because almost famous is based on Cameron Crowe's life, but it, there's the Kate Hudson character almost feels like a, a, a more mature and more interesting version of the Lola Buga base character from this wacky movie. Um, what happens? I'm trying to remember what happens after that. Is that when, is this when they go back to the hotel and they get in the, the argument that I think so. and, and it ends up? Yeah, I think that's what happens. I think the concert, I think the band plays the concert as they were supposed to and Meatloaf doesn't sing. And I was like, oh, so he's not going to sing. And then they go back to the hotel and he's, he's watching wrestling on tv which later they show that art carney likes to do yeah uh and she's this is the first time we actually here's something i noted because i was waiting for it for so damn long this is the first time we technically see alice cooper and that she's got like an alice cooper poster on the wall yeah and uh, she's like i can't wait to meet alice and he has this meltdown like why the hell are you wanting to be with that guy alice but without saying it but saying it you know i want to be with you without saying it and it gets uncomfortable and then he breaks the TV, right? This is this whole scene. Well, yeah, yeah, you're missing the part when he like pushes her down on the bed and is on top. Oh of yeah, her. yeah. He, they're 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 palling ar- they're palling around. I'm using Horse quotes play. there. Well, then and, she, that's uh, what she says she's like, "No, I'm saving myself for Alice." I'm saving but, myself for a little yeah. foreplay, and she says, and "I'm saving up, myself for Alice." Yep. And, he gets and then up. he loses it. Yeah. Yep. 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 You're right. You're right. And go most makes down it by uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm saying I liked this movie in general. Well, I liked, but this scene made, I mean, I was like, this is a fictional movie and it's making me very uncomfortable. Like the, like he's like wrestling. Like we know at this point, Lola is 16 and he's like wrestling with her. And, and like, he knows. On her, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, this is yeah, it would have the hero of our movie. Like it would have felt better if a, she wasn't a child and B like maybe they had already known each other for a long time or had been dating and then she got this obsession with wanting to be with alice cooper and he wants her back and yeah he feels like like he's losing her to this but they just met she's never really i mean she flirted with him but she made it clear from the it was first like one of the first things she said was yeah, that was, she wants to be with alice cooper yeah not just that but she wants to be like a famous groupie so that means being with a lot of rock stars and so she's never really had any 
I mean, she's flirted with him, but not, not like romantic. There's not been like a romantic thing between them other than in his mind. Yeah. So it just, it, that, that's why this scene felt even worse was because it's like, you don't have that. You've never had sex with this girl. You're, she's underage. She's, you know, you're not dating. It just felt like a, a way overreaction for, yeah. for the situation. <laughs> yes. For him to then be going outside and throwing a snack machine into the hotel pool. Yes. Yep. 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 Because apparently he also has superhuman strength. I mean, the the mic stand bending scene that Cody mentioned, and then like breaking the TV and throwing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which should have come in at some point where he's like carrying giant like speakers or something on his own. Like I gotta get this on the stage or something. Sure. (laughs) They never really do that. Maybe they never show us. Pushing a tour bus out of a ditch or something. Yeah, the tour bus gets things like that. I would love to see. Yeah, I agree. That would have been that would have been fun. Is it is this the part point then where he agrees to stay with them on tour? I'm trying to remember how we get to where Blondie enters the movie. I think they just I think it's just the next stop on the tour. Yeah, okay. I do not remember well, how they got from all, LA to all New of York. a sudden this, then this, then this, then well, this. They, yeah. They the scene where they get Well, they're Blondie the... first. He goes there they they get then they go to New York after What's Blondie. What are you saying, Brian? Uh, they had that scene then where they go drink like tequila on a car hood outside the liquor store. Oh, that's they're saying, right. They're saying hot women and ugly women and fat women and skinny women and rich women and poor women and look a woman. And I was like, what is going on here? This know this means. goes on for like 15 minutes. Yeah, well, then I think it just not literally, but it felt like that. <laughs> yeah. So I think they go from that. Then it's just like, oh, they're not on the next, next show on the tour, which which is weird because I don't really understand tour, I guess, because it's like, oh, this stop is Blondie and this stop is Hank Williams yeah. Jr. It's like, they're it's like the equipment on tour instead of the artists on tour. Yeah, yeah it's, it's weird. <laughs> I didn't really think of that till now, but because they're not on tour with Blondie. No, I thought, or I thought Hank Williams movie, or anybody. I thought from the beginning, we'd be like, oh, we're with Hank Williams Jr. And then like, oh, now he's on tour with Blondie because he's getting more and more famous. And then, oh, now he's on tour with Alice Cooper. And but it's, that doesn't. It it's go kind of way. like he's on tour with the promoter, which is weird. That's not how tours work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like they're independent contractors for every performer that they go work with. Yeah, it's, yeah. that's what it seems like. But so they yeah. get to this this um, show and it's Blondie and it's like in a field somewhere, but like uh, the local sheriff shuts it down, shuts down the power because they don't have the right permits or something to to play a concert there. Um, like no, it was something dumb. Yeah, it was. It was that. It was like they were against touring because it was like too much emissions from tour buses or something. So they're trying to just end music altogether. I can't. It was some so dumb and it's kind of throwaway. So then, so they shut down the power and then Meatloaf has to figure out a way to restore power to this this uh, to the stage for the show. He basically I'm has to be MacGyver, a uh, MacGyver roadie. He can well, only he calls that, his because here's where we call his dad. And his sister and his friend are like getting it on in the in the retractable accordion phone booth, right? Yeah, maybe. And then he calls him and he tells him, "If you believe it, it'll work," or whatever the whatever the catchphrase of the movie is. Everything um, works if you let it. Everything works if you let it. And then, uh, and then, because uh, well, well, basically, then meet little. Then he, in he the makes a solar power. Well, it's not just solar power. It also involves, um, I I actually have um, a friend of mine is working on a project to do this, to turn farm waste into energy through biocombustion. 
Did you like, show, Meatloaf did you show in growing? 1980 invented a biofermenter <laughs> that would do like, like essentially Meatloaf invented green energy? Like, there, Yeah, there was also like a windmill and he talks about the power of the sun. So I think it was like every kind of energy he could find. I had no yeah. Idea yeah. But so he gets the show up and running and he saved the day once again. And so then and so this is where he falls off the. <laughs> well, there's there's also a funny scene where the members of Blondie are like, hey, somebody's got to kiss this roadie. And they like all of them are like pass on it. So Debbie Harry gives Redfish a kiss. And then and then um, Meatloaf is getting a stink eye from Lola. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, what is this toxic relationship that's happening? And they're, tr- and they're trying to play it up like it's cozy and it's growing, but it is kind of toxic. Yeah. But, um, but he's so, cause he's watching, so he's watching the show from like the top of the, one of the rises on the stage. And he's like <laughs> looking down at her and she's looking back up him and they're giving each other a stink eye. So at the end of the show, Mohammed, the, the promoter comes out and he's like, I just want to thank the one guy who, who made this all possible. He's like, Travis Redbone or whatever he calls him. And, and at the same time, like he like loses his hat or something is like trying to catch his hat and just falls just face headfirst into the, like into the stage, like crept <laughs> through the stage. It's, it's, <laughs> so, it's so funny even thinking about it. The stunt is so ridiculous. And it's like, it's it, it looked dangerous. Yeah. It made me uh, look like that was legitimately funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> but then he gets the, the brain lock again. Yep. Yes. And this is yeah. where Deb, then Debbie Harry has to like get him back to the hotel or something. Yeah. Why that job fell to Debbie Harry? I do not understand. I know. How did how did that end up happening? Because they needed another scene. She was under contract. She was on set. Why not? Yeah. Because they just they just sit at a bar for another twenty minutes. I was like, they could have narrowed this down. I feel like this was prefaced on somebody just was like, okay, if we can get Meatloaf in a limo with all the members of Blondie and Debbie Harry, and he's just saying like non sequitur stuff and they're reacting, it will be funny. And it kind of was, but it's like, what a weird way to get there. You know, like, how did we like that? Why, why, how that was like essentially the storytelling like point that we needed to hit. I'm not sure. So uh, I also loved when the, um, when the promoter is like, that roadie has inspired me to run for president. <laughs> yeah, I did think that, that, that I liked, that I liked. <laughs> I like, I, I mean, it's, I, if there's and then the other guy says, it, I was, but, but I could be your campaign manager. I worked for Spiro Agnew. Yeah. And that guy's like, no, Redfish. <laughs> That guy, he can do anything. But again, they were playing up that jealousy thing that goes nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of like, oh, this doofy guy is jealous of meatloaf. Oh, okay. Right. And at the same time, we should say Lola, we see all these shots of Lola going into different bands' trailers, but we don't really know what's going on. I was very confused by that. I was very confused. I was like... She was either looking for Redfish or she was trying to group it up. I don't know. Or well, I think I I think they wanted you to think that she was like screw it I'm going to do this groupy thing because I'm upset that Travis is with uh, a blondie so I'm going to do this and at the end of the movie she reveals that she hasn't done anything which is you know okay that's that's fine but uh, yeah. I I think that's what they were trying to 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 yeah. get us to to be like oh no she's going to sleep with all these people because they did have to fight about that in a minute too. 
Yeah, and she's trying to make Redfish jealous, but it's like, what? I don't know. But he's not even there. So Travis Redfish is sitting at a is sitting like in a at a concert ever with in like a banquet hall with um, Blondie, and they're talking at a salesman convention. Yeah, and she he's still kind of out of his mind, and then at one point, like he comes to. And he realized he's like, oh, hey, you're that woman from I've seen on TV playing music or something. I saw you at the concert. And she's like, yeah. And then he starts another bar fight. Well, yeah, because he's talking through the song. I would watch that scene of Meatloaf. Don't talk to a song. In fact, I know I'm going to watch that scene again. I think Debbie Harry is very like she's just very funny. Somehow that scene was perfect for me. It, it yeah. makes no sense. Like nothing I really do it. like Debbie Harry in this movie and it is, yeah, the scene is super strange, but she pulls it off. Yeah. And I laughed because, so he, so Lola ends up coming in and starting a fight because he's sitting with Debbie Harry and she's jealous, I think. And so she, they, he like pulls her aside and they start fighting about like, guys, you went in all these bands trailers and what were you doing? And yeah, they could start fighting. I laughed because he starts picking up like there's just stacks of tires there. Yeah. And he starts picking he up. He does, like, yeah. Throwing them back into like the concert hall or whatever it is. And and that's like starts an, another well, at the same time, Blondie is starting like sort of like a food fight or like weird, right, like right, throwing right. things fight with a little people band yeah. that like Lola had found. That was called Snow White. They were, yeah, like Snow White. Yeah, I was like, I was wondering if that was a real band or not. They might be. Yeah, probably I don't know. I don't might know. have been. But also, this movie is so problematic. I was like, oh. Well, yeah, there's you that know. too. Yeah. Was Debbie Harry, were we supposed to believe that she was like interested in Meatloaf? I got that vibe. I don't, yeah, I don't know, know if she's, she's interested. I mean, I think they kind of gave that vibe off. I think it was just too, like, she respected him because he was this amazing roadie and he mm-hmm. saved the show. And, um, but I think she might have been a little into him too because he was like out of his mind and it was kind of interesting. I don't know. It was sort of weird. Because when he leaves, she seems a little bummed. She's like, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. like, it's too bad. Yeah. And then when the, the fight's going on, she just kind of sneaks out of the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then she's gone. So and they. Now, and then the movie just makes like a hard pivot to New York City. Where they, they just, they, it, it just kind of prefaces like, yeah, that Redfish and. Lola, because Redfish is mad at Lola, so he just drove her to New York City in a bus to deliver her to Alice Cooper. Yeah, which somehow he's able to do. He's able to walk right in the venue. He's able to walk right on the stage. Madison Square Garden security was very lax back then. Yeah, and he's Travis Redfish, Jack. Everybody knows who Travis W. Redfish is. So he's literally just bringing her to. He's like still pissed off at her for she won't stop talking about Alice Cooper. He's like, fine. I'm gonna bring in Alice Cooper and just give you to him, and this will be done. So he like goes all the way to New York, marches into the the venue, onto the stage, and and like finds Alice Cooper. He's like, here, she's here, take her, she's yours, and he's like gonna leave. Yeah, but I now look- here's something I missed out. Right, he gives and now Alice Cooper, of course, is is fantastic in this, and 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 he's in it far too little, and he appears and he has this conversation with Travis. And I'm like, okay, so I'm seeing Meatloaf and Alice Cooper and the, you know, they're sharing the screen, the screen together. This is cool. Right. And he tells him, he talks, he ta- he says, he gives him a lecture. He says, do everything you promised to do with her. So now, was yeah. there something earlier in the movie that I missed where she was like in contact with him and I don't he know said if they, he would. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure. Cause I don't remember it, but they made it sound like she had figured a dinner. What? Like she had told, um, 
meatloaf that basically like he had told her that they would be together or something like maybe they had been corresponding or something oh, but okay. in, in my mind that was just her like saying that and it didn't actually happen because at no point oh, in this movie is, oh okay at no point like, in this movie is alice cooper actually because he seems confused by this too at no point is he actually like seeming uh interested in her and his wife, is, his wife is in the movie too like very briefly but he's married and, and he has a wife so it's like i don't think at any point they would actually like he was actually like, oh, I'm, I'll sleep with you, Miss. I think they're saying that like Meatloaf is so naive that when Lola says this to him, he takes it as uh, But I thought that, that yeah, Alice Cooper's reaction was one less of what the hell are you talking about, man, and more of okay. I right? love so that. it could have been which I do love, but it, in my mind, I guess I wasn't thinking, oh, she totally lied to him and he's totally into it. I was more like, wait a minute, did. Does he really know this girl? I, I think mean, he I think was Alice like, Cooper. I think Alice Cooper is so confused. Kind of just going with it and saying whatever. And he's just like, yeah. uh, I always keep my promises. Like, I think he has no yeah. idea what's going on, but he's like, I guess I'm just going to roll with this. Yeah. Like, which but he I, did I, I take them to dinner. He did. Like, I thought... He brought the snake. He brought the yeah, snake. He does yeah. Because, so as Meatloaf is storming away, he's going to leave Lola behind. I love this where he snaps his fingers. Because someone says, Oh, oh, I think Lola yells to him, like, Travis Redfish. And Alice Cooper's like, Travis Redfish, because he's having all this problem with his sound system on the stage. So he, Thanks like, snaps her. fingers. He's like, security guards would ever come in. He's like, get him. So they get him, and they're like, Alice wants to take you to dinner because he wants him to fix his sound system. Yeah. So then there's this weird negotiation scene with, like, him he wants a, wants Cooper. a ticket. Well, him and Alice Cooper, and Alice is like, oh, because he's like, oh, I said I got reservations ever. And, and Lola's, like, whispering to Meatloaf, like, Tell him he has to wear his, his makeup and, and tell him he has to wear his, his leather suit with the red cup on it and bring the snake. The and, red cup comes with the leather. I like yeah. how he's kind of writing it down, all of his requests. And Alice Cooper's like, oh, okay, whatever. And then it cuts to the dinner scene and he's wearing like his makeup and his leather with the snake and they're sitting in this nice restaurant. Mm -hmm. I think this is the thing I was the least prepared for, but I loved the most, was Alice Cooper's willingness to both to show the difference between his real personality and his onstage personality. Yeah. And that Alice Cooper is playing like him as an actual person and who is not like, who is like, uh, you want me to wear like my costume to dinner? Like it, that, that was very entertaining. And I, I, I think that was sort of a bold choice I'm guessing in 1980 for Alice Cooper to sort of like, pull back the curtain a little bit and be like, yeah. no, I'm just kind of this normal guy who then has this crazy onstage persona. Right. Yeah. So, so I guess he, he does, he, he does, he, he does not disappoint. Yeah. But so he, I think he convinces um, Redfield or Redfish here to, to fix the sound system. I can't remember what the mm -hmm. whole deal was, but. Um, uh, he, 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 he said he'd buy him a tour bus. He said, yeah. I'll do it. All I care about is getting the hell out of here, getting away from Lola. Uh, just all I want is a ticket back to, Texas and Alice Cooper's like, Jesus, man, I'll buy you a tour bus. Yeah. So that's what he does. Yeah. yeah. And somehow so Travis Texas fixes the sound with like potatoes and sardines. Yes. Sardine some kind yeah. of like a bizarre, yeah, battery. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that fixes the sound system, but which also then like sparks during the show. So like, yeah. like I thought it was gonna yeah. like do a good I thought it was gonna like blow up and he did. Yeah, yeah. something's yeah. gonna come of that. I guess it didn't. I guess it was just uh, dangerous. But in this part of my notes, I do have one where I'm like, "Did he just say potatoes? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> How is he fixing this?" Yeah, he really was MacGyver before MacGyver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The um, I also have a note at this point. Now I'm back on notes, and I'm like, 
we're an hour 30 into this movie and I cannot tell you what the actual through storyline of this movie is. I don't really have one. Like, this movie is 15 minutes left. I do not know what the through plot really is. It's, I mean, it's like a cool vibe and it's, but it's like, I don't, there's not like a story here, um, which I guess is fine. You yeah, know? I, didn't, I didn't need a story. It was just a fun rock and roll movie. That's all I had. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he he gets a call from his dad that his friend BB and his and the, his sister are getting married. So Redfish, which is- by the way, <laughs> the only reason they're getting married is because the father kind of catches them like getting frisky. in a phone booth. <laughs> yeah, and and BB's like, why isn't he mad? He just caused you know basically having sex, and and uh, the girl and the sister's like. Oh, because he, he knows that the only reason you would ever do that is if you were planning on marrying me. And BB's like, oh. And then they end up getting engaged, I guess, shortly after that. So, yeah, the father says that she finally tricked him into marrying her. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's problematic too. But yeah. Yeah. Not great. Yeah. Um, and as he's like pulling out in the bus and Lola's like yelling to him, she's like, Redfish, this is my dream. You know, like she wants him to stay and be like a roadie. I guess for Alice Cooper, but he's like, no, I'm going back to Texas to this wedding. And, and I'm like, okay. So I'm like, so is this the end of the movie that the two of them realize that they're in like a toxic relationship and that they like have different goals in life. And I'm, but I'm like, there's also in like a, a, in a better movie, this would work. Cause I think everything, and I'm not just saying this because it's Alice Cooper, but by coincidence, the, the, the from once they get to New York city, it becomes a movie, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm digging it. But everything that's leading up to it is 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 not what the movie that I've said I'm suddenly watching is built on. So there's this touching scene where he's in love with this girl, but she's got this devotion to being a groupie, and he's like, "Well, this is our this is our moment." We're gonna, of course, she shouldn't be 16. That's one of those things that hurts this premise. But you know, if this were done differently, everything from Alice Cooper on basically be unchanged in my opinion if everything preceding it was 100 different but got them to that same point this could be a touching moment where it's like well, are you gonna stay you're gonna come with me yeah i gotta go and he closes the door and he drives away and she's there well, and then like when he goes though. to the wedding she appears at the wedding right like it's cliche but, but that's I, what ends up happening anyway i kind of liked it because it wasn't are you gonna stay or are you gonna come with me he was like i'm going to texas and she's like you can't ask me to come with you right now. He's like, I didn't ask you to come with me. He's like, I'm going to Texas. I'm not asking you to come with me. Like, this is done. And she's still like, but like, I have to stay here. And he's like, that's fine. I'm not telling you. I'm, I'm just telling you I'm going to Texas. And he, and he leaves. But then she chases him to Texas. She she quits her well, yeah. dream of sleeping with Alice Cooper to, to uh, go to Texas and be with him. We get this, like, the scene of the wedding is so weird because the wedding is going on. Redfish shows up. Everyone's like, Redfish is here. Yeah. And everyone's freaking out. He goes in to see his dad and he's like, you know, hi, dad. How's it going? He goes, pretty good. Hey, is that the phone? I'll get the phone. Okay, dad. Oh, got to go. It's I'm like, what? It's, it's so rushed and weird. Yeah, that's what's weird, yeah. It, and something's missing too because Bird, that like other roadie, is at the wedding, and I'm like, what's 
what's he yeah. doing there? You and heard, like, I didn't know. You heard there was a party. That's all. I, I, yeah, I was like, but like, what? Something, something got cut at some point, or, or, or maybe it didn't. And again, the, the co-writer of Cocaine was just like, I don't know, get that guy back in there. He's funny. For no reason. Um, but it, I was like, what? What? I, I was so confused. And he gets a call, and he's like, I gotta go. And he goes and picks it. Lola is somewhere in Texas, I guess. And he goes and, and picks her up. And she's like, I didn't do it. I didn't sleep with Alice Cooper. And so then she and Meatloaf are in this tour bus driving around. And I, I have it in my notes. I'm like, I'm, I'm terrified. I'm like, is this movie, am I about to see a movie that ends with statutory rape? <laughs> Because I'm like, I feel like that's all indications are where that is where this movie is going. That cliched ending. Yeah. Of, of a middle-aged man committing statutory rape in, in an emotionally manipulative and toxic relationship. But instead, uh, Lola says, yeah, I'm not going to be a group anymore. I'm a psychic now. And I have a feeling something's going to happen. Bringing back that throwaway line from the first scene she was in that has not been brought up since. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And aliens descend on their tour bus. You didn't think that's where the movie was going? I mean, I saw that as the logical end. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did breathe a sigh of relief, honestly. <laughs> I was like, this is this is better than where I thought it was going. And she's like, I think these aliens need us to help them fix their ship. Let's go fix it together. And I was, I, I don't know, I don't, I, I don't know, I would love to hear what other people think. I was just like, okay, I mean, this is both insane and yet also feels like the fitting ending to this movie somehow. Um, like, sure, why not? <laughs> like, this could be the ending. Yeah, I think what I was reading was that they were setting up a sequel where he would be on an alien ship. Oh, because, wow. Yeah. yeah. Which is insane. I, yeah, I, I was just like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know how else they could have ended this. Like, it reminded me of um of Life of Brian, I think it is, when like in the middle of like a chase, like foot chase scene, it is. All of a sudden these these aliens like swoop in and he ends up on their ship for like a weird like minute and a half, and then it's just back to the rest of the movie. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I thought for a moment when she was um t when Lola was talking to Meatloaf and she she talked about them needing to repair the ship and she was like. They want you to repair their ship. In fact, I know they they want you to repair their ship. I thought for a second, like she was going to be an alien. Oh, there's like a brief moment where I'm like, is that how she's like clairvoyant and can like see things? Because she like predicted the earthquake that happened oh, that we didn't talk funny. about. But and she would she, be like, I'm not 16. I'm an alien. Yeah, she could be 16 on a planet where it takes longer than an Earth year to go around the sun. Yeah, she could be. Like yeah, could be. You could be like she could be like forty-seven Earth years, yeah, she, but she's, yeah, she's sixteen she's Jupiter. Mars, she's Mars twenty-five. Yeah, yeah you're right. A little more tolerable. That actually maybe would have been a better ending. Like that maybe would've, that would have been in the sequel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe. But we'll never know. Something. Wow. Um. All right, so let's do, I have a couple, uh, I, I have an interesting So Wrong It's Right, and Cody, I think you're going to have to sit this one out because I'm pretty sure you know this one. I did no um, research on this. So Alice Cooper 
it was a very interesting guy. And Alice Cooper was very, very close friends with somebody that I think a lot of people would, when I learned this, I was pretty surprised. Um, like to the point where he would hang out with this person all the time and would invite them to his shows, was very close with them. Was I, Alice I think Cooper, I already know the answer to this. <laughs> I think you might. Was Alice Cooper very close friends with either A, Charlie Chaplin, B, Bob Hope, or C, Groucho Marx? And I mean, they were very close. Like, like Alice Cooper used to literally like go over to this person's house in the middle of the night to watch movies and would sometimes like tuck them in and like lock this person's door. Um, oh, uh, upon leaving? Upon leaving. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with... Hope. I'm going to say Bob Hope. Bob Hope? Okay. I was also going to say Bob Hope. That sounds like, that sounds like it makes sense. Bob okay. Hope. Yeah. The golf. Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, Groucho. Cody, do you want to reveal the answer? It's Groucho. Groucho, Groucho, no kidding. Groucho, Marx, and and Alice Cooper were very close friends. Nice. Uh, I will say, Christy and Jack, you're not wrong in that Alice Cooper once got Groucho to bring Bob Hope to one of his shows. Wow. Okay. To an Alice Cooper show. Uh, I wonder how they met each other. That's interesting. Yeah, I think they lived. I, Cody, tell me—you probably know more than I do. I believe they like lived very close to each other. Right? I don't remember, but probably. But like I was, I was saying to Alex before the podcast, like Alice Cooper is very much into like old Hollywood, like the mm-hmm. stuff he grew up on. So when he got famous, he became friends with like yeah, Groucho Marx and all these kind of people. Um, hmm. Yeah, so. I think um, one of the other interesting—it's not really so interesting, right? But like Alan Rudolph, who made this movie, is a pretty respected um filmmaker like this is like he's made a lot of movies i mean several of his films have oscar nominations this is kind of early in his career but not that early it's just a weird outlier in the career of a guy who made mostly um kind of dramatic movies was there some behind the scenes like was the film rushed for some reason or did someone else like take it and edit it without without his know-how or well he he did it is fair to say that alan rudolph's career as i, I mean i'll even read from his book. this is early enough where he got better than than as he made movies maybe well he was pretty good early on too he really liked um eccentric characters and their relationships that's oh, kind that's of what this movie is <laughs> alan rudolph's film so i i i suspect that that's maybe what drew him to this um, he also was, um, how do I put this? He was drawn to characters who were in, had complicated, uh, interpersonal and sexual relationships, which seems to be playing with the themes of this movie as well. Um, it's just really weird. I, I didn't realize that like Alan Rudolph directed this and I was like, oh, wow. But it kind of goes with the rest of his body of work. I don't know. Um, we'll see. All right, let's let's do it. Is it so bad it's good? And then I have one line from a review that I think is a good way to end end this this show. Um, let's start with Brian. Is it so bad it's good? The only one of us who has spent extensive time in Texas or Oklahoma. <laughs> 
That wasn't the the part of Texas or Oklahoma I uh, spent time in, sadly, because that would have been a much more uh, interesting time there. If, uh, we we're getting in bar fights every night, but uh, and Roy Oberson was there to break it up. But um, I I'm actually kind of in the camp with Jack here. I I, I did not love this movie. Um, I thought some moments were kind of interesting, and 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 Meatloaf really kind of I think made this somewhat watchable. Whereas if it was in the hands of a different lead, it would have been watching this for 20 minutes and see ya. But um, yeah, I, I don't think I would ever watch this again. It, it had its moments, but kind of like Jack, I was kind of felt, found myself very bored at times and the whole headlock thing kind of took me out of it at times. So uh, it, it was not my favorite one we've done. Fair, fair. Okay. Christy, what do you think? I'm going to go with actually, yes, so bad it's good. I wish that I had been able to see it in better quality than YouTube with French subtitles. Um, I may someday watch it again if I come across it in a better quality. Uh, very, very, very problematic um, for many reasons. But also, if you just give in to a mindless, zany, I want to say comedy, but to Jack's point, there weren't actually that many jokes. Uh, but if you just kind of take it for what it is, then yeah, I think it it, it did grow on me. Um, I watched it 30 minutes one night and then the rest of it the other night. And the first night I was dreading watching the rest of the movie. But by the time I got to the end, I was like, all right, that was stupid. But yeah, okay. I enjoyed it more than some of the others we watched. Yeah, yeah. Jack, I'll let you, you. You've kind of spoiled your, your I, I, view on it, but I think this—the word I would use—is a slog. Like it was very hard to get through this. Um, just the way it was paced, the way it was plotted, the things that were happening, the things they were trying to that they thought were funny that they were fixating on, and those moments of awesome. There was like maybe three, and I was like, oh yeah, oh, and I went back to being bad again. Like I mean boring bad like uh uh and i i get why people would like it i mean meatloaf is great in it i would argue meatloaf was great in anything though so it just shows his qualities regardless of what he's given he's good you know and art carney is in the movie for like 20 seconds but you know he was good and the musical performances were good and it was cool to see roy orbison and hank williams uh jr sing together it was obviously it's awesome to see alice cooper basically once he appears in the movie it becomes great but everything else i mean i say shake it and like an hour falls out if this were like a 45 minute like tv movie with that extra space for commercials but with the commercials removed it's like 42 45 minutes i probably would have enjoyed this a lot better it just felt like I was climbing a mountain and I was like, and I, and, and there was no top and I just kept going up and up and up and up and up and up and my arms are getting tired and everyone's like, you'll get there eventually. And there's no top to the mountain guys, you know, like it was really just not for me. So I will probably never watch this again, unless I want to see if I can use it to teach myself French. <laughs> I'll go and then I'll let our resident Alex Cooper, uh, super fan Cody go. I, I I spoiled it in the chat up front and in the both our chat up front and um, I kind of loved this movie. I I think I definitely will watch it again. However, I will probably be applying the fast forward button pretty liberally, and I think the movie once it gets to L.A. 
um, gets a lot more fun. Like the stuff with Blondie and Debbie Harry and Alice Cooper, I definitely, I, I loved that stuff. Um, and I, I think I really just across the board, I, I, the Art Carney stuff and the stuff with the sister didn't really do it. I, that's, that's sort of the low point of the movie, but the performances are fun. I, I again the, the part is very problematic, but I liked the actress who played Lola. And there's something like there, there's something there too that I liked. I, I don't know, the weird vibe of this movie, it just I enjoyed it. And um I really I think genuinely some of the stuff with Blondie and Alice Cooper is some of the most fun I've had watching a movie for this podcast in a long time. It, mixed in with a lot of total insanity and then meatloaf makes it possible i just want to say robin hood wasn't that long ago and robin hood was super fun so that's you know. true that's true <laughs> yeah that's true that is, i'll continue yeah. my defense of robin hood yeah yeah <laughs> Ro robin hood a more consistent movie <laughs> I would give that cody your thoughts uh i'm honestly upset that i didn't buy this on dvd for 10 bucks on thursday night and that by friday night you can't find it on the internet anywhere now for under like $75 because I do want to own this at some point. Um, I honestly really loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I feel like it was made for a very specific kind of audience and I'm kind of in that audience, I think. Um, just, just kind of a fun, mindless rock and roll movie. I've always been aware of this movie because of Alice Cooper and I've, you know, I've known of it. I've just never seen it until this, until now. But um, yeah, I just, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I didn't think it was so bad it's good. I just thought it was good. <laughs> Yeah, for what it was, I mean, it's just like I said, it's just a dumb, zany movie with some rock songs in it and rock stars and those kind of, my kind of thing. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, I could respect I, that. I think to bring this one to close and and to recognize again how much presence and how much meatloaf brings to this, I want to read a section from People Magazine's review in 1980, and they say, as portrayed by rock heavy meatloaf. Redfish is a pure delight, innocent and irresistible. In his first starring role, he doesn't sing a note and still steals the movie. I, I agree with that. It, yeah. it, you know, it, it really, um, I, like, I, I, I like Meatloaf. I think he's just a, a unique performer. And uh, I think this movie does, should, as people kind of remember him, this movie plays an interesting role. I think it's the only movie where Meatloaf had a starring role. He was a supporting character in a lot of other stuff. And to see a movie that's completely based on his presence and charisma is, is something pretty special. Yeah. Well, I do think he had an amazing performance. I have a little bit of a bone to pick with that review. Can you really steal the movie if you were the star of the movie? <laughs> I, I, I do agree. He's the star of the movie. Yeah. I mean, uh, good point. Good point. Yeah, yeah. that's a fair. It, considering the movie is built around him. Yeah. It's, it's well, I mean, when you have when you have some people who are pretty big rock stars at the time in the movie too. I mean, I mean, he's obviously was a rock star too. So it's, yeah. He's he's stealing the movie from the cameos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't be the other way around. I mean, he, he was. I do he's think he is the best he, part of this movie. But yeah, if you're gonna secure. steal a movie. It would be like Debbie Harry stole the movie. You know, she Debbie Harry stole the scenes that she was in. Yeah. yeah. He like secured the movie. He didn't yes. steal the movie. That's right. Yeah. Kept everything at bay. Yeah. <laughs> he was the webbing, keeping making sure nothing <laughs> fell off the truck. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was an odd one. I I mean, this is just 
we see some oddities, but wow, this was this was one of the odder films. I will say that. Um, yeah, Hopefully all our movies could be this fun because a lot of them are a slog. And for me, yeah. I th- I thought this one was. I know I, that's fine. We can disagree. That makes the the podcast more interesting. I think, but I found I it also. If we were doing rankings, I think maybe the only more problematic movie we've ever seen is Food Fight. I'm not yeah. sure if there's another movie that was as there were as many times as I sort of like you know gasped or like involuntarily <laughs> shuddered. I mean, it's like I a mean, plot Jade, came up. Jade, our last movie was pretty problematic. Ooh, Jade is pretty bad. Yeah, Jade yeah. Is- yeah, Jade was pretty bad. Sadly, yeah. I missed both of those, so I can't yeah. chime in as the oh, resident yeah. female. Christy, Jade would require that perspective in, in buckets. <laughs> I think Jade I was, is a really messed up movie. I in think that, I remember in, in, the, in the in the sexism department. I think I remember being glad that we didn't subject you to Jade. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, Christy, your mental health may have benefited from. All right, I'm, I'm glad I missed that one. Yeah, yeah. it was. I, I did not know how. Um, Ooh, yeah, that's I. Yeah, it's really something for uh, Jade. Our previous episode available now. <laughs> <laughs> what a selling, selling game! What a selling <laughs> job I'm doing. Do you want to traumatize yourself? Listen to our previous episode. Probably Maybe I should listen health. to the podcast and do a podcast on <laughs> that. I do podcast. the pod. I do the podcast whilst bleeding. Yeah, <laughs> I was giving blood. I was giving blood at the time. Wait, really? Jack was giving blood. Yep. Jack really was. The machine, the machine kept beeping during the podcast. Oh my God. We, we were trying to get Jack to talk about all the awful things that happened in this movie. <laughs> and then a room full of medical people. Yeah, giving blood. She must be the best sex worker. What? Oh my God, I think I have to listen to it just for that. <laughs> this is how we should be promoting it. <laughs> that is very fun. Oh, that yeah, that's that was the best part of it. Oh, yeah. Right. Sorry about that again. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it was great. That should, that should be the one episode we released the video of. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. If you could see Jack hooked up to the machine as we were talking about this with like healthcare workers like around him as Tubes. we're talking about the I, mean, I think I, I think I have the video, so we could probably put it on YouTube yeah. or something. I was gonna say, let's do let's put a piece of it and put it up on social. <laughs> I had to do that. Multitasking at its finest. But we have seriously though, we have to watch Legend of Bigfoot, and I will die on that hill. Is that, that movie a, is is amazing? That a new one, or is it the old? Oh one? no! Oh no! It's not new. <laughs> okay. It's a documentary about a gentleman named Ivan Marks who spent a portion of his life hunting for Bigfoot, but it's clearly like like made up and he's trying to make it sound like he's like a hero and advocate for Bigfoot. It's amazing. <laughs> and um, I think anyone should watch it. This, this, this well, are you Ivan Jack? I know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. like that's and I'm very happy that Cody brought it up. Wait a minute. You made me watch that Bigfoot movie. Yeah. <laughs> I we're gonna find out, Jack. I show that to many for... people, and it's that's just... it. This is Jack's movie. It is too fun. All right. Well, we will be back soon um, with yeah, more crazy movies, more debates, and um, as always, rest in peace, Meatloaf. Mm-hmm. See you here next time. Mm-hmm.